Coming at you from New York City, it's The Real Deal Podcast with your host, Ian Phillips. Welcome to The Real Deal Podcast, everybody. My name is Ian Phillips. I'm joined today by special guest, John Carnegie. Hello, John. Hey, Ian. How's it going? Good. You want to give a little introduction to our loyal listeners? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, I'm like a current student at um, Syracuse University. Go Orange. Uh, yep, Go Orange, of course. Um, senior, so I'm going to be ending it in May. I uh, I guess I'm a script writer as well, working on some stuff and somewhat of a critic, you know, like movies and TV and stuff. Have you uh, written anywhere else or? Uh, no, not yet. Just like a couple like Tumblr posts, nothing really special or anything. Not yet. Well, everybody starts somewhere. Yeah, of but course. um, like John you're with the with the podcast and everything, so. Exactly. Yeah. Um, this is we'll we'll just pretend this is the Saturday Night Live of podcasts and launching careers, but not really. <laughs> um, well, optimism, John, optimism doesn't hurt. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, John just came back from L.A., so he's been out in the yes. industry for a while, and uh, today we are going to talk about do a wrap up of all the best TV shows of the year. Now I know the year's uh, not over yet. But I mean, why pretty, not? Pretty much. Yeah, why not get it out earlier? Time's a flat circle, right? Yeah, as Russ Cole would say. As Russ Cole would say, we're gonna we're gonna talk about Russ Cole a lot later because he's really worth talking about. He might be the best character on TV this year. I mean, that's kind of a bold statement, but I think it's true. It, it's not that it's not that bold. I think he's just he's going to become a character like for that like during our pop culture time, like. He's going to be, like, the face of it. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that, like I said, later. But I just realized, so the Golden Globe nominations came out today. Did you get to look at those? <laughs> yeah, the uh, the Golden Globes are, like, th- that's always good comedy for me to read their nominations. <laughs> that's probably, like, one of my least favorite award shows. Well, it doesn't the, – the Golden Globes, like, don't really mean anything because they're they overlap. Really well, they, they're over – they don't overlap with, like, Oscar and Emmy voters at all, but they're entertaining. It's always a fun – it's a fun show. Yeah. I mean, but especially the, with the whole comedy or like the genre divisions and everything. Yeah, it's just they they divide it into best drama and then best comedy slash musical, and still nobody understands why. Yeah, but I mean, were you uh, were you happy with the nominations this year? Uh, I'm looking at them like I, I've looked at them briefly earlier. I'm looking at them right now. The drama category is pretty interesting. Are we talking for, for best TV or best uh, oh, uh, for movie or any? We talk about both movie and TV. Well, I was thinking, um, I was looking at the movie one, but TV I'm looking at right now, and I honestly, I mean, House of Cards. Eh. I still haven't watched all of House of Cards, but oh really? Yeah, it's interesting because in the Emmys, True Detective and True Detective was put in as a drama, but here it was put in as a miniseries, and Fargo's also a miniseries. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me because they're both coming back next year. But they're going to be – it's like an anthology show now, like American Horror Story, so it's considered oh, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's very it's very strange how it's done. But I'm actually kind of happy for the most part with a lot of nominations. My – spoiler alert, my favorite movie of the year was not nominated, uh, Whiplash. Oh, yeah, that wasn't nominated. Which is a bummer, wow. but I don't know. I think any – I'm, like, happy to see there's a lot of love for Wes Anderson because, you know, when movies come out in the first half of the year, they sometimes tend to get forgotten. Oh, yeah, especially that one came out, like, in late February or March. Yeah, late February, early March, and 
I'm I'm really happy. I didn't know it was going to be an awards contender at all. His movies are always kind of divisive. Yeah, I mean, I actually liked Grand Budapest Hotel. I loved it. I loved it. I thought um, Moonrise Kingdom was terrible, to be quite honest. Really? I thought that was a horrible movie that kind of like, that one scene of them on the beach, that was a little weird. Like the two kids on the beach and you can basically, you know. That is a strange, I'm a fan of Moonrise Kingdom because, I mean, I like all Wes Anderson movies, uh-huh. except for Darjeeling Limited, but that scene is very, very weird, vaguely creepy. Yeah. It was um it was it was borderline criminal kind of what he, <laughs> what he did with that scene. But um yeah, Darjeeling Limited was eh. yeah, I I kind of I do like his style though too. Yeah, this can one be was suffocating at times, but I do like him. This one was definitely the most unapologetic of Wes Anderson movies and it got I feel like it was embraced the most at least of his recent ones. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know the, why, but it definitely was embraced more so. I agree. And I'm yeah. just some of, like, I don't know, some of the Globes nominations are just always so very weird to me. But also something interesting that I want to point out is that, you know, normally for TV, like, the distinction between comedy and drama was normally, like, oh, comedy was a half hour and drama mm-hmm. was an hour, right? Yeah. I, if you look now, that distinction is gone. That's true, yeah, because Orange is the New Black. I, I It's weird because I can kind of consider, I do watch Orange is the New Black. That is... Honestly, my favorite show of the year. Is it really? I loved... And and the thing is, I liked this, the first season a lot. And I didn't think the second season would be as good. But it mm-hmm. shattered my expectations. I, it was so good. No, it, I agree with you. What did you like most about it? Uh, Well, let's... Like, I mean, the writing... Like, it was good in the first season, obviously. But it became more in-depth this season. Mm-hmm. And especially, like, my favorite character on the show is Morello. And her episode, where you find out, like, I mean... Wait, that she's a stalker. Yeah. That that episode was... I was reading another Best Of list, and they were talking about, like, that episode was so... I forgot just how surprising that episode was, because yeah. she, like, seemed like somebody who, like, might have, like, actually be innocent and put in, be in prison by accident, and then to find out that she's kind of, like, a crazy stalker. In some ways, she's crazier than most of the other people in Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. Um... Is everything going on there? It sounds like a little shooting or something. Uh, that's a helicopter, and I have no idea why it's flying so low. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was kind of creepy, but that's upstate New York for you. Um, <laughs> yeah. They were definitely known for their helicopters. Yeah, helicopters and snow and negative 30-degree weather. That's about it's, it. It's, it's really fun in the winter. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I thought this season, like, I don't it's like, it, I thought it flowed a lot better, which... I don't know, like, every episode just, like, had, like, such a great pace to it. They really, like, let the comedy fly out, and, like, they... It was nice that they focused on all the background characters. Yes, and, like, I was a little worried with the premiere, because the premiere was so radically different than any other episode, and I was like, okay, what are they doing here? Are they really taking her out of the prison? But, yeah, it was a great season, and probably the best show I saw this year. It was... it was in my top five for sure. I, yeah. And I would say it can go into both. It could go into both genres. Yeah. Honestly. I didn't really it could be both. know what it would be nominated as, like in, in the Emmys or Golden Globes when it first yeah. came out. It was a comedy at the Golden at the Emmys mm-hmm. and a drama. It's a oh wait, it's a comedy at the Golden Globes and yeah. the Emmys. But a lot of people would say that it's a prison drama, even though I think it's a comedy. I'm curious to see how they vote on what's a comedy and what's a drama and what's a musical. 
Yeah, it's it's hard predicting their um their voting habits. It's really weird. Yeah, and there's also only been in one one musical like series in the history of ever that I can think of. Oh, Glee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They let's just pro- let's just be happy that show isn't nominated. Yes, I'm I'm very happy. There was a few shows. I will say Modern Family, which is a show I used to like a lot. Um, it's definitely th- dipped in quality. It's, it's dipped because they got repetitive, and it's kind of nice that they didn't get nominated this year because it's get put in room for some new talent. Yeah, I mean, someone should tell the uh, the Emmy voters that you know it's been suffocating every everyone else. Yeah, five years in a row. We'll see if they get the message this year. They they probably won't, but you never know. Yeah, um, let's uh, move on and talk about our favorite shows of the year. Uh, yes. We're going to speaking of genres, we're going to divide this up, and we're going to talk about comedies first, and then we're going to talk about dramas. Okay. Um, it's just kind of funny. Most of my favorite comedies of the year are stuff that would not like haven't gotten nominated for awards, and I don't know if it's just because it's not an awards type show or just because. Shows like of that nature haven't been embraced yet. My favorite was, I know you haven't watched it, my favorite show of the year was BoJack Horseman. Oh no, I actually, like, 30 minutes before we started this, just finished the last episode. I was being... Oh, wait, did you watch the whole thing in a day? Yeah, I'm dead serious. Amazing, what did you think of it? I thought it was, um, I did think it was good. There were a couple episodes that were a little stagnant to me, but Mm -hmm. there were... Like, the writing sometimes is so genius, but other times I just got lost and I didn't really get what was going on. I will say the last two episodes were the strongest. Yes, I think that the first, like, the first two or three episodes are a little slow. I've rewatched them, and yeah. they're, be- they're better when you know the whole context, but I think the last few episodes are, like, a freaking emotional roller coaster. Like, they especially, get into some... the, especially the finale. I know, they go into some, <laughs> like, it's a sad, it's... I just love the fact that this show filled with talking animals, and it's a really <laughs> deep and dark drama about loss and depression. I mean, it's not a drama. It's a comedy animated show, but, like, has all these elements of a drama in it. It's a very dark comedy. Yes, I would recommend... But, like, I think just if the next season is as strong as the last two episodes, then I think it's just going to shape up to be even better than before. Yeah, I thought, I mean, the second to last episode, which the whole thing was just a drug trip... Yes. That ends, was so good. And it just ends with him asking if he's a bad person or not, and then it just ends on that note. Yeah. There's just not many shows I've... I don't think I've ever seen anything that, like, made me understand loneliness as well as that did. That kind of... I mean, yeah, that and, like, this uh, past season of... Or half season of Mad Men, pretty good in uh, talking about loneliness. But that, uh, the ending of BoJack Horseman, that or that episode, that kind of reminded me of the ending of Wolf of Wall Street a little bit. Of the, are you talking about the end of like the finale or the episode where he's the second to last episode? The second to last one where he asks if he's a bad person. In, in House, they remind you of Wolf of Wall Street, like, like the ending of Wolf of Wall Street when he's um. Oh God, I can't even really remember what. The, Sell me this pen. I remember that. It was yeah. I, it was like at the end when he's talking to the crowd and someone asks him something. Yeah, I don't. Re- I don't really remember that well because I thought that movie was a little overrated, but. It kind Agree of to disagree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, trust me, I, I know. Some, like, everyone else pretty much yeah. says it's a classic, and I think Scorsese's done a little better recently, but I don't know. Yeah. I, it wasn't a terrible film, I'll put it that way, but that's well, twenty. That's 2013. We'll, we'll save that for another episode in yes. which I will tell you you're wrong for an hour and a half. <laughs> I would be willing to do that. Um, All right, sounds good. Yeah. 
It's funny that you brought up Mad Men because I've heard people compare BoJack to Don Draper in some ways. If you look up on YouTube, really? somebody just did a comp. They did like they took the BoJack Horseman, or no, they took the Mad Men, or they excuse, they took the BoJack Horseman music and mm-hmm. set it up to the Mad Men opening credits, and then did the opposite thing. And you'll just notice that the credits are very similar. They both have a falling man in it. I did kind of think of that when I saw the credits for BoJack Horseman. It's just kind of cool that a show like that, an animated show, is bringing up your. It's like you're thinking more about like Mad Men than The Simpsons. Yeah, I just think that's no offense to The Simpsons, of course. I just thought that was very interesting. Um, and also, there's some amazing voiceover work in that show. If you just look up the IMDb, just all the celebrities that were in it, it's embarrassment of riches. It was insane. Like I didn't. Um, was that Keith Olbermann as the whale? Yep, yep, that was Keith Olbermann. That's that's awesome. But. One of my favorite characters was um, character actress Margot Martindale. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just say that. That was every, awesome. Every time I hear her name, which isn't that often, I just think character actress Margot Martindale. <laughs> I just think of her character from Justified a few years ago. I, don't know I, bet, I, I have not watched Justified. That's, oh, I love, that's a show. love that I, show. But we'll talk about that in the um, other category. Yes, we definitely will. Um, in terms of – also in terms of comedy, I think the best place to find – comedy on tv right now is comedy central which is not which is funny because that wasn't right that this wasn't always the case even though it's called comedy central i think there was a few years where like they still had south park and the daily show and colbert but they weren't making any new and interesting shows and then in the past two years there's been a renaissance there you didn't uh you didn't find drawn together as a you know I, I never well, watched well mu- show. I've never watched much of Drawn Together, so I can't really judge it. Oh no, I'm being sarcastic. I, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I thought that show was terrible, but I, yeah, I, I mean, never I really agree saw with it. You. Like that show or that channel, they didn't really have a lot, you know, until a I, couple years ago, and like South Park was even kind of dipping in quality. Yeah, I've heard. I think it's gotten a lot. South Park. South Park always has upswings and downswings. I think this was an up year for it. Yes. I'm just happy to see they're trying. Comedy Central's trying to. Get away from just being like the network of Daniel Tosh. Yeah, I mean, and and Tosh Point oh is a decent show, but they should kind of get away from being known just for that. Yeah, and they've had like a variety of different shows this year. To name some of the ones that either started this year or just were on this year, there was returning. There was Kroll Show and Inside Amy Schumer, which are the two best sketch shows on TV. I know we talked about you watch Inside Amy Schumer. Have you watched yeah. Kroll Show? I actually. Only saw one episode of Kroll Show ever, and that was this year. And that was the one where Chelsea Peretti guest starred. Yeah, she's on it a lot. She's great. Um, yeah, like, she, she is great. And I thought, like, the episode I saw was funny. It's just I kept forgetting it was on. But it looks <laughs> good. It, like, no disrespect to Nick Kroll. I mean, it looks good. It's just I keep forgetting it's there. I mean, there's certain shows like that. Like, oh, yeah, also Key and Peele's a sketch show. I just, I keep forgetting to watch that, and I feel bad because I think that show's amazing. But... It is, shows, an, it is an amazing show. I mean, yeah. the new season was um, it was all right, but but they tried really interesting things with it, which they is they did the whole true detective angle was interesting. Yeah, exactly. For people who don't, so Keen Peel was normally like Chappelle's show where the mm-hmm. two of them would come on stage and like riff a little bit, and then that riff would become a sketch. And this year, instead of doing that format, they had interludes where it was just the two of them driving in a car in the desert, and it was basically exactly like True Detective. Yeah. But they had a few really strong sketches this year. I like Kroll Show because it's not the kind of sketch show you would think. It's more like they they turn into like interlocking stories and they do a lot of parodies, whether it be of 
reality shows or movie trailers or video games. And all the whoever directs that show is brilliant at just doing perfect imitations. Yeah, the one episode I saw, it was really um, I can't. It was the Chelsea Pretty one where he's like, it's like The Bachelor, I think. Yes, I vaguely remember that. She's been on a few times, yeah. but I have seen that one. But that was the one I saw, and it was really creative what he did. And I think I've seen like some publicity. Yes, that's that's pretty funny too. Fun I fact: just, I got to yeah. catch up on that. Yeah, I think. Just like if you want to get a sense of what Kroll Show is like, go on YouTube and look up Kroll Show Drones, uh, uh-huh. Oh Hello, Ghost Hunters. There's just like all the, just all the ways they like mimic style and stuff like that. Every audience, go watch that on your own. But um, also you were talking about Inside Amy Schumer. Yeah. She actually just uh, – they just announced that she's going to host the MTV Movie Awards as well. I saw that and that that's going to be pretty cool too. Yeah. She, I, uh, she's pretty She's pretty raunchy. Yeah, she she's is. She's not going to shy away from anything. I mean, I feel like they've always had Adam Sandler and other raunchy people come up. She definitely won't shy away from things. Yeah. But I think this is like – this is her year where she's becoming like really a superstar and her show was like complete – I think it was always on this season. Yeah, it was. Like just – I mean I've only seen the first half of her first season of that show. I sadly haven't seen the whole thing yet. That's one of the thing, many things I have to catch up on. But the entire second season, I don't think there was one weak episode. No, there there really was not one weak episode that I saw, at least. I think there was I, an episode where she was making fun of Aaron Sorkin. Yes, the food the, room. The fast food one. That was the best. Sorkin parodies, like, there's, like, certain writers, I feel like, where it's not, like, or there's certain people where, like, it's not that hard to imitate them like there's so many west par like wes anderson parodies out there because yeah. people are like oh like he does pretty set design and has quirky characters so here it is but like that one was like very unique because it was set in a fast food restaurant and like they weren't really knocking off they were like just taking the style and it seemed like an aaron sorkin thing it went it went viral it was, it was a huge thing but it was really really smart really funny She's going to be a movie star next year because she's working with Judd Apatow in a movie. Oh, really? She's doing – it's called Trainwreck. It was shooting. It was shooting in New York this summer, Judd Apatow. I actually had the chance to go see him drop in and do a stand-up show this summer, which was like the coolest day of my life. Dude, that does sound pretty cool. Yeah, it was awesome. But um, she's all over the place. Um, Speaking of funny ladies, there's my transition. (laughs) My – I think it was my – third favorite show of the year my favorite not my favorite my second favorite comedy overall but whatever the best new show on comedy central is broad city i loved broad city i did too it was that's top five of the year for me probably oh absolutely it was very different than what i thought it was gonna be definitely transcending because we've seen we've seen a lot of shows out there about people who are young and living in new york city and struggling, but there was something really different about it. You know what I mean? I mean, it's because, you know, like, Abby and uh, Ilana and Broad City are more relatable yes. to more people than, um, you know, like Lena Dunham and her cast and girls. Yeah. I'm a fan of Lena Dunham, too. That's their fan. I feel like people... Yeah, same here. It's on, Yeah, it's unfortunate. There's, like there's people who, like, set up, like, a war between them. They're like, it's, like, girls versus Broad City, and Broad City wins. And it's like the two of them are... They're all fans of each other. Yeah. They're they're both very different shows with different tones, even though they're set in the same place. I just find there's, like, very little things that are – there's little things about Broad City that are very relatable. Just, like, 
the fact that you watch, like, go watch an old episode of Friends, and they lived in these ridiculously huge apartments, and then yeah. in Broad City, you see they live in, like, these little shitholes, and, like, that's usually what people our age who live in a city like New York would actually live in. And they're struggling, like, every day, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. But it's just, like, they're so, like, and I really, it's one of those shows where they're so good, I can't tell that they're acting. I think that's just how they are. They just seem like like they're that positive and they're that funny in real life, you know? Yes, they are. They're definitely that funny. They're definitely, I feel like most, from what I've heard, like most comedians who have like a TV show that's basically just them, it's yeah. normally like who they were a few years ago. So like a little, like I've heard Louis C.K. saying like, for his show, the character of Louis isn't exactly him, it's him a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, Lena Dunham has said, the character on Girls, like, she's obviously not that selfish or messed up. That's her a few years ago, maybe when she knew less. She was saying, I've heard the girls of Broad City saying that's what their characters are like, too, because I don't, there's, like, a lot of things about them that, like, you wouldn't normally, I don't know, like, that, like, I feel like, because their character's, like, a little unmotivated and stuff. Well, Abby's very, it's like Abby, Alana's... They're both very motivated to do different things, but, like, if they were, like, their characters are on the show, they probably wouldn't have worked as hard and gotten Broad City on the air. Right. And I've seen a little bit of the web series that um, it was adapted from. Same. Yeah, I I liked it a lot, too. It just seems like that's going to be a show that I really don't think is going to be bad. I know it's just the first season, mm-hmm. but I really don't see anything bad coming from it. Like, with Girls, I liked the first season, but ever since then, it's just kind of gone a little downhill for me yeah i can't I think, really see broad city following that same path i think broad city has the benefit of the fact that like it doesn't have what's the word i'm looking for like it doesn't have a continuous story every episode yeah can be kind of different so that gives them i used to like i like how shows will do that and like they God, what's the word i'm looking for like have a continuous story but it also gives you more freedom when every episode you can kind of start from scratch yeah it makes it kind of like a real-life cartoon. And, yeah, and, like, you know, that intro is pretty vibrant, too, so... Oh, my God. I've been... <laughs> nobody has posted online, like, a compilation of it, and it's very disappointing. No one's done that? I haven't found it yet. It's probably somewhere. I haven't done it yet, but I'm someone, excited... Someone should get on that. I'm excited to see how many more combos of it or how many different fonts they can do. Yeah. I'm sure they can do a lot. Um... I also loved about the show, I wouldn't say it's dark, it's like a lot of, it's very dirty, it's very funny, but it's like, kind of surreal, they get into these really weird scenarios that it's kind of like, that would not happen in real life, but it would happen in the real life of that show. Oh, like the, was it the finale where they had the allergic reaction? Or Yes. Yeah. I'm also, I'm thinking specifically of the one where Abby has to pick up a package for the guy she's yes. a crush on, and she goes like... She goes to North Brother Island, and they, she goes on, like, it's not explained, but she goes on a cruise ship, and it's just to get there, and it's everyone else on the boat is twins. Yeah. And then there's just her, and then, like, it's just in a giant, she has to go to this giant warehouse, and it's kind of like one of those things where it's not saying that's what it's really like, but it's capturing how we feel it's like. Yeah, I mean, like, it's a super inventive, like, and really diverse show. Yes, it definitely it's, is. It's really cool. I, I really do like Broad City a lot. Yes. Um I also Hannibal Burris is on it who's one of my who's yes. one of the best he's one of the best stand up comedians in the world. Hannibal Burris is so funny on that show too. 
Yeah, and we don't have to get into this conversation right now. So this will be opening a can of worms, but he's credit. He's he's not he's credited, but like he's kind of known for bringing the Bill Cosby story back yeah. into light with his standup, which is really crazy because I actually that same show that I saw Judd Apatow on Hannibal Burris was performing, and he did that bit. It's Wait, so you saw you saw Hannibal Burris too. He was yeah. It was just it was at the Comedy Cellar in New York. It's, see now I'm super jealous. <laughs> so Got it. It's just very cool. If you go to New York City, you see these people all the time. It's awesome. But yeah, um, he did this bit this summer, and like we all laughed at it, and like I kind of had known about it before and didn't think much of it, and then it ended up on on YouTube, and then it just kind of exploded. And I'm sure he didn't ever think this would happen. But I mean, it's a good thing he did. He did he, say it. Yes, it is. It is good. He brought he. Comedy is amazing in how it can be used to bring important issues up and make us laugh at the same time. Yeah, and and people kind of forget that he was the one who really like brought that issue back. Yeah, I know. It's just it's it's been it's just one of those things that was like hidden in plain sight. Yeah, and I mean like, and then you look back and you see that like Bill Cosby made a joke about that in like 1969. Yeah, I saw that video. <laughs> That's like, weird. How did people not catch on? All I can say is I was not alive in 1969, but it was a different time. Same, same. I wasn't alive then too. Oh, really? I I, I thought you were. I thought you were just doing college over again. Oh yeah, I'm a vampire. Oh really? Just, shit. Uh, Three hundred years old and shit. All right. Well, good thing we're not recording <laughs> this at night. Yeah, really. Um. Okay. Let's go back to Comedy Central. I just want to, for the the reason I'm just like been trying to figure out like how did this happen? Like Dude, how did I they get so either. many good shows at once? And my only guess is that. I think it's just their executives or whoever worked there are very laid back and very cool yeah. and understanding because it's not just like they're giving a lot of artistic, they're giving a lot of freedom, but also it's just amazing the diversity, the different kinds of shows they have. They have scripted sitcoms now like Broad City and Review. They have sketch shows. They have late night comedy. Mm -hmm. Like it's seriously the best. I think it's the best like premium cable or not like not premium cable like basic cable network we have right now i would agree with that too i mean it definitely has um it's definitely been like you could argue the most improved network of the last couple of years i yeah. can't think of any other network that really has gotten better like over a fast like over a shorter period of time you know yes i, I agree. mean you could say amc but like not really because they had Mad Men and breaking bad yeah like, and they, they, they've gotten worse honestly yeah they have well the, waiting for them to find their next big hit we'll get to that when we get to dramas yeah they start off as a movie network that's something else but yeah. um I, did you get a chance to watch like kind of like basic like network broadcast tvs fading a little bit but i found some really good comedies were on this year Especially on Fox, I've um I've seen bits and, well not bits and pieces I would say a few episodes of Brooklyn Nine Nine which everyone loves and it, I think it won the Golden Globe for comedy yes. last year. It was very weird. It won last year and like hadn't even been on for very long, but it still won. Yeah, and from what I've seen, I liked it. I do like the characters on there, even though I wasn't really a big Andy Samberg fan. I've grown to like him more because of that show. He's very likable on it. The whole cast is. And I'm reading the Golden Globes right now. Brooklyn Nine-Nine isn't even nominated. That is... I noticed that. It's very weird. It that won, I don't know why it's not nominated. nominated. I that's, just don't... That's weird. Yeah. That's why nobody understands the Golden Globes. Yeah. They make absolutely no sense. Um, so there was that. They, the Mindy Project was on Fox this year, which was one show I just looked forward to watching every week. No, she's... Uh, that's a good show, too. I mean, um, like I said, I haven't seen the... Uh, 
I only saw the premiere of the new season, and I haven't seen anything else yet. But I've heard, like, they're getting more racy in terms of, like, yes. the dialogue and what they're showing and stuff. So, I mean, I guess that's another tactic yeah. of network TV to try and it, compete. That's something I, that I always have found, and I've said it before. What I like about network TV over cable is that they can be racy, but they have this ability to be, like, subtle about it and use innuendos, which can be very fun and creative and i think it's kind of underrated and it's something when you're just watching a show on hbo because they can do anything they can't like have any wordplay if you watch like old 30 rock or arrested development like they had to be really they were like very dirty shows that had to be really subtle and they pulled it off in some ingenious ways and sometimes that's more creative yes there's an episode of arrested development where they say fuck and they hide and like without blurring it and it's genius yeah I think I've seen that episode. I mean, that was one of the best comedies ever. Yes, still is. Yeah. It is definitely, and you're right, it's more creative to do it that way. Yeah. But um, I'm also thinking, like, network comedies, you know, I think of a show like my favorite network comedy, Parks and Rec, which is, mm-hmm. they're, that's going out quick next year. That's really sad that they're kind of... They're like kind of phasing it out. They're doing yeah. two. They're doing two episodes a week. Yeah, I thought that too. It's like, and it's only going to be on for seven weeks. They're really blazing through it. Yeah, I've been. Do you, I? I've like. I know it's never been a high-rated show, but like, it's really critically acclaimed and is popular. I just don't understand what makes a show popular anymore because I don't either. Everyone I <laughs> it's know, it's, it's, isn't it so weird? Because everybody I know watches that show, and everybody knows who Ron Swanson is, but yet everything is still determined on Nielsen ratings. Yeah, and that show really doesn't get a lot of like high ratings. No, it doesn't, because everyone's watching it online. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's why it, it's lasted so long because it has such a big fan base on social media, and I mean. For everything else it lacks in, NBC does a really good job of, like, their online presence with shows. Like, they did a very good job with The Office when it was on. Yeah, I remember good, that. Yeah, they do a good job with Parks and Rec. And, um, I mean, they do a good job with, like, Twitter as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can't fault them for that. It's just that in other aspects, NBC is lacking, <laughs> like, drama. Yeah, they haven't had any good dramas this year. We'll get to that, too. I yeah. haven't watched, but... I don't know if anybody's been in a big city this year. You might have seen uh, banner ads for the Blacklist poster oh everywhere. Wait, everywhere was it? in L.A. Oh, my God. It was like everywhere. The, wait, was it all the different magazine covers? Yep. Did you – I laughed hysterically every time I saw them. I, I just couldn't help it. Didn't – wasn't like the Time one they named him Person of the Year? Yes, they had, the, they had <laughs> Time. They had Time. They had the New Yorker. There was like Vanity Fair. Yeah. It was – like, it definitely got the message across that this is a show that's on TV. Like, why would he be on Vanity Fair? Like, <laughs> the, cam- the campaign made no sense. <laughs> Dude, has anyone told NBC that people don't even buy magazines that much anymore? Yeah, really. I mean, I show don't them know. on, like, websites or something. Show a hey, Twitter account. It was it was effective. They were, we, uh, we all knew it existed, like I said. I've never seen an episode of The Blacklist. Me neither. Never I've- seen it. Me neither. It has a, it has a small, very weird following because it's like a guilty pleasure type show. Uh, I'll I'll just take whoever's word for it. I'll, I'll, I'll do. I, I have no uh, plans on watching that show anytime soon. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Um, so we're starting to get into drama now. So I do want to get into talking about dramas from this year. But let's take a quick break. Yeah. And then when we come back, we'll start talking about drama.
Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. We're going to move into the drama category of TV this year. Uh, I think it was a really strong year for drama. It was a strong year for TV in general. I think it was a particularly strong year for drama. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I got to say it was, and I think I was making a point of this to a couple of friends of mine, that this might be the one year since, I don't know, TV's, I guess, new golden age, whenever people say that starts, like 2007, 2008. This might be the one year since then that TV was better than film, in my opinion. Like, TV yeah. was so good. Yeah. It was it's, so it's, strong this year. Yeah, it's. I hate, it pains me to say that because I'm a film guy. That's why oh, this is here. called The Real Deal. Yeah, yeah it's, it's pained me to say that, and I think this was a strong year for film, but, like, when I was looking at the TV selection, I was like, shit, it might be... <laughs> I think it was a really interesting article that you should read that was saying that a lot of, like, kind of mid mid budget uh film directors that a lot of them are starting to migrate towards TV because like nobody's helping them get their movies made anymore. Oh, that's a what, lot more... Isn't that what uh, Soderbergh did? Yeah, that's why he yeah. he did that he did the Nick which was basically the Nick was basically a movie. It was yeah, it's, that's definitely one of my favorite shows of the year. It was It was so that good. Yeah, that was a great that's a great show. We're in drama now we can talk about, it, but that was yeah. that was a great show and it was on I was on Cinemax, so it was there's a lot of new there's a lot of networks now that are that didn't have shows and now they're getting in on it and everyone's making really good stuff. Right. The Nick was especially great. That's all like Soderbergh said a few year, two years ago that he was retiring from film and then he went and made the Nick. Yeah. That's great. Clive Owen is awesome in it. The first episode I think was a a really strong pilot because I had my eyes closed almost the entire time. I freaked out the first 15 minutes of that first episode yes it's i remember just thinking i was like oh maybe it'll get it'll go maybe they'll they'll make it less fucked up from this point because they're just <laughs> nope. trying to get an audience <laughs> nope. nope it was a little it maybe got it was more a, fucked up maybe yeah there was there was a lot of hernias and more pregnancies but i still think they nothing topped the first surgery they no. had on that show no the c-section yeah that oh was, that was brutal yeah and i also love his shows about history that like aren't like it's like a show about his like about this time in history and it doesn't feel dull and it didn't feel like a period piece at all even though it gave you a really good sense of like how the people lived at that time yeah and it doesn't gloss over anything like it doesn't gloss over the racial tensions that are in yes. that show it doesn't gloss over violence or sexism yeah it was a really good show the first Strong. one i remember one of the first like shots of the show is like them walking around is them like going around new york and you just see a dead horse in the street yeah and that's something that happened at the time just everyone had horses and they would shit in the street and die and like there was a lot of diseases and everything and like that that gets glossed over sometimes in historical movies and this the nick did not do that at all the drug use also that doesn't yes. get glossed over at yeah. all um for people who haven't seen it yet i won't spoil it but i will say that the end has a moment there's an, <laughs> a moment at the end that's surprisingly hilarious for a show as dark as the Nick. And it's like my favorite. It's like, what? Well, it's like, it's just this huge punchline and it's perfect. You're talking about the final yeah, scene yeah. where he's in Yeah, bed. the final, yeah. yeah, the one final, you see a final shot of something and it's just like, that is, that, was that is genius. Yes, that was absolutely. So good. It was like one of the best moments on TV of the year and it came completely out of left field. Yeah. Um, so the two dramas that I wanted to talk most about kind of make the center of this conversation mm -hmm. are two shows that I believe are, they're a little, they're different, but they're kind of similar, uh, True Detective and Fargo. Right. So 
they're both similar in the way that I think, like we said earlier, they're both anthology shows. So when we see them next season, they'll be completely different characters and situations, which is interesting in itself and a new trend for TV. But we just focus on the seasons um, now. So True Detective came first, and it was I think it's nothing short of a cultural phenomenon. No, I totally agree. It, it definitely um, everyone was talking about it for with good reason too. Yes, and it, this also happened to be a good year for Matthew McConaughey in that he won an Oscar. Should have won an Emmy as well. Thank but... you. He definitely <laughs> should have. And you know what? And uh, hopefully John Hamm wins one next year, but that probably won't happen. I think there's a. I think there's a chance that hopefully we'll, they'll get get his marketing department behind it and campaign on the fact that he hasn't won. Steve Carell never won for The Office, so yep. there is there isn't necessarily a happy ending when it comes to award season. But no, McConaughey it, should have definitely won that this yes. year, though. I think I mean, he did lose to Brian Cranston, so it's not the worst. Yeah, but it then could you, be worse. Then you factor in that Brian Cranston has like it's four other won. Emmys. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's why I kind of thought they would give it to McConaughey for the whole. I don't think anybody's won an Oscar and, the, and an Emmy in the same year, so you no, think they want to make the first one. Yeah, you think they want to make history, but there was also going against it was the fact that it was Breaking Bad's last year, and yeah. they thought Brian Cranston might never work again in TV, which is not true. Yeah, that's not true at all. He'll he'll be back. He'll probably win more Emmys. Maybe after Mad Men, John Hamm will switch to comedy because he's great at that, and he'll win something. Well, he will be in Parks and Rec. That's oh yeah, that was. I hope I hope he is in it more. Um, he had a very brief cameo this season. Yeah, at the very which Parks and Rec had a great ending, by the way. One but of the, um, well, those are one of the best finales I've ever seen, or season yes. finales I've ever seen. Yes, I agree with you. It was a great season finale. It's unfortunate it's ending, but hopefully we'll see John Hamm next season. Yeah, and that wasn't just a brief cameo, but True Detective. What was interesting about the show is that I didn't know what was going on half the time, and I still don't totally <laughs> get it. Um, I doubt – I don't trust anybody who says they do. Do you feel like you got it? Uh, absolutely not. Um, but, <laughs> but I think that was one of the best parts of it. Um, yes. I was reading something where someone – it was some list on a website where they named it the best show of the year. And they said, like, it wasn't really about a murder. It wasn't really about the Yellow King. It was more about, like, a meditation on masculinity – Mm-hmm. And I guess time. And if you really like that's I think what made it special. It wasn't my favorite drama of the year, but it was damn close. Yeah. It, but it was it's a show that I think is going to stick with me longer than any other show that yeah. I've seen this year. Because just of like the themes, mm-hmm. like, you know, like they were saying, like masculinity and time and just how it was written, how it looked. It looked amazing. It, was it shop- felt like I was there. It was one of those, uh, yes, it was one of those other TV shows that felt like a movie also, I will say. Yeah, like the Nick. Yeah, exactly. It looked, I don't know, the cinematography was, like, out of this world. There's, I think it's become kind of legendary now that in the, tracking the fourth, shot? Ep- yes, the, the fourth episode, I'm, uh, a, I'm a sucker, I'm a sucker for tracking shots. It was and so good. Yeah, I just want to know how they, I just want to, I, I, I need to see a making of, of that because... I mean, now I know it's possible because the entire movie of Birdman was one shot. Yeah, but, except for but, like the little yeah. shadow breaks. There. Yeah. Although in Birdman, they like ed- they had some magic and edited it together. Like I think this was actually just one shot. Yeah, it was. And it's like they must have like I'm just like picturing the PAs running around and everyone freaking out and like people having to stand on their marks. Like how much work it must have gone to go into that. And it was so worth it. I have the DVD of that. I got to watch it with the commentary to see like how they did it. But I think that episode and that specific moment is where, and I don't think I'm alone here. 
I think that's the moment that it really turned the tide on that show for me. Yes, I agree. Because the first three episodes I thought were good, but I was like, where is this going? I I didn't really, I wasn't that interested until the fourth episode. And then it just goes to like new heights, especially episode five. The secret fate, secret fate of all life. I loved that episode. Is so that much. is that the time is a flat circle episode? Because yeah. okay, yeah, that's there's Matthew McConaughey for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, but they probably heard about it unless you live under a rock. He gives <laughs> this really legendary speech where he talks about how time is a flat circle, and it's really haunting and amazing speech. And like, it's probably it's like probably the quote of the year. He like, had so many great quotes in that show, but that is the best yeah. one. Like, it's already been, like, the fact that it's, the show hasn't even been out for a full year yet, it's already been parodied as much as it has been, shows how much of a cultural impact it had. You should look up, like, there's True Detective memes online. It's, they're so funny. Like, I think there's one where Woody Harrelson's character, Marty, like, asks him what he thinks about the weather, and then he goes on, like, this long poetic (laughs) diatribe about the weather. It was just such, like, a perfect, I love that dynamic, it just... It's very, it's right for parody. It worked really well for the show. Woody Harrelson doesn't get as much credit, and he was great in it too. I yeah, mean, he, he was. was just overshadowed by Matthew McConaughey, but he's a really awesome actor who I always enjoy. And he was playing, I felt like, against type in this because he wasn't playing himself. Mm-hmm. He wasn't playing, like, they both weren't playing stoners, so they were pretty, pretty much against type there. Yeah, exactly. And this is just, it's just like, it's great that we don't have to discuss. That you don't have to discuss or understand the mystery to enjoy it. Yeah. It's very much a show that's more about the journey than the destination. And I think a lot of people didn't get that because most people were dis- a lot of people were disappointed by the ending. Yeah, what did you think of the ending, like, overall? Um, overall, I thought, I mean, maybe it was a little conventional for mm-hmm. what it could have been. But it was also had, like... That meditative scene, it was, like, where they were looking under the stars. Yeah. And he just... It's, like, I, I think in the end, it's all about kind of accepting the situation that you're in now. And it kind of got to that, so it was satisfying in that regard. But I think it also works because there still was a lot unsolved and a, sure we're not, a lot we're not sure of. But I also think a lot of the mysteries were stuff that... Like, questions that were not generated by the show. The questions that audience members generated it was a very participatory type show. Yeah, no, I completely agree, and I thought, like, I thought the finale did a really good job. It wasn't the best episode, obviously, but no. it did a really good job of, I guess, tying everything together. Maybe, yes. the, maybe the dialogue, like, the, like the lights winning, it was a little hammy at some points, but I liked it a lot. Um, I didn't even notice this until HBO re-ran the show. The mm-hmm. way that Woody Harrelson carries Matthew McConaughey at the end is the exact same way that the killer is carrying the victim when in the first episode. Really? Yeah. I, it's it's right, really I, weird. That's why I need to rewatch the show, partly because of that and partly because I need to go back and see if I understand all of McConaughey's mumbling. <laughs> you, you, it's impossible. No, it, it really is impossible. It's just most of the time he's going, hey, yeah, Tom Flat <laughs> He's kind of like a King of the Hill character. Yeah, just much, much darker. He's like a darker Boomhauer. Exactly. That's, wow, that's perfect. There we go. We need to trade. He is, he is dark. Rust Cole is dark Boomhauer. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. It's a great the, comparison. Yeah. The other, so the other great drama this year, it was my favorite drama of the year. It mm-hmm. was another murder mystery, but it was Fargo. 
yeah. which was on FX. And I thought it when I first heard about it, I was thought it was a bad idea because I'm the kind of person when I hear there's a remake and I go, how could they do that and ruin something that's perfect? They didn't need to adapt a Coen Brothers movie into a TV show. And especially I was, Fargo. Yeah. What? Yeah. What? I was like, what was the point? Like Fargo is pretty like perfect already. But I love everything they did to it. I don't think there was anyone more hesitant about that idea than me because like Fargo is like one of the best movies ever. And I love the yes. Coen brothers. And when I heard they were doing a TV show, I'm, I'm like, a, this is going to be the worst yeah. idea ever. <laughs> I'm a Coen brothers. I'm a Coen brothers fan, a super fan. I they, love, uh, I love most of their movies. Yes. I can get the way some people can get over star Wars. I can get over Coen brothers movies. Same. If yes, if that sums it up and I love, so they were kind of, I think they, they produced, this, but I don't think they were that directly involved. It's just enough to say they gave their stamp of approval. Yeah. But what I really love, they didn't, like, redo, they didn't have any recurring characters or anything from the movies, but it all took place in the same world, so it was kind of like the Avengers, but for Coen Brothers movies, where you're (laughs) getting a full sense of the Coen Brothers, everything was connected. I think if you've never seen a Coen Brothers movie, you would still enjoy the shit out of Fargo. Oh, yeah, definitely. But I spotted – I wrote an article this summer, and I found, like, every allusion I could to different Coen Brothers movies. Uh-huh. And they were very subtle. I'll see if I can – if I can uh, – By the way, I'd watch up. an Avengers type of movie with only Coen Brothers characters. <laughs> I would watch a movie where Marge Gunderson and Big Lebowski live in the same world. Oh, my God. That would I be amazing. I would ama- watch that. That would be amazing. They're fighting. They're both fighting the big. They're both fighting the nihilists together. Yeah, <laughs> they're and and the um and John Malkovich from Burn After Reading. Wow, that would be awesome. And he, they're, they're, there's not enough Coen Brothers movies starring John Malkovich for sure. There really aren't. Yeah. Okay. So I just I wrote down like I had a list of like some of the things that like were references. Like mm-hmm. the beginning of every episode, Fargo is a drama, but I found it to be a funny show. And every episode started with the. This is based on true events, which yeah. is what the movie started with. Neither the movie or the TV show are real events. Right. It's just kind of like at this point, no one knew when the original Fargo came out that it wasn't a true story. Yeah, but people now are freaking just, out over that. Yeah, now it's like just kind of if you watch a Coen Brothers, if you've seen Coen Brothers movies, it's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like... Because time to do that. Yeah, it's like this absurd joke. There's a white Russian reference in the background of an episode. Like I saw that. I remember that. Yeah, there's I one. Yeah, when I saw that, there's like there's this whole ep- there's this one guy. He has this parable. It's called the rich man's parable. If you remember that, mm-hmm. and it's basically ripped from a serious man. They didn't have that exact same speech, but they have this like all these things in a serious man. Like there's that's there's probably their most underrated movie. Yes, that's my that's my second or third favorite Coen Brothers. That's movie. my third favorite one by them. Good, um, loved it. No, I love and that's one that gets better on every viewing, but they had this thing called the story of the Goy's teeth in the Cohen in uh, a serious man. Yep. And they have this rabbi telling a story and as he's telling it, like you see the story happening, but everybody's mouthing the words and they do something really similar to that in Fargo. <laughs> and it just made me so happy to see the show's created by a guy named Noah Hawley. Yeah, didn't he and, write all ten episodes, right? Yeah, he did. It was so very it's like a singular vision kind of thing. And it was just kind of awesome to see that they were able to take the Coen Brothers style and, like, I think, like, I'm happy that they imitate the Coen Brothers style because, like, it's so unique and it's really hard to do that. Everybody wants to be the Coen Brothers, but Noah Hawley actually became them. Yeah, which is I, no no easy feat. And that's, that's like, that was probably the main reason why I didn't, I wasn't really, like, you know, 
excited for this when yeah. it first came out because I was like, like this is just gonna be bad. It's gonna abandon the whole Coen Brothers tone. Not that mm-hmm. I would want him to directly rip it off. Yeah, I would want him to like you know be a little original about it. But it was. He was definitely more than just a little original about it. It was such a great show. Yeah. It really you, did yeah. create its own way. I think that everybody sees the Coen Brothers a little differently. I'm just curious. What's your take on the Coen Brothers' tone? I personally love it. And the thing is, like, I used to think they were dry, but then I took a class specifically about Coen Brothers movies at um, in college. So, I, I'm really mad that that class did not exist while I was in college. Oh, no, no, no. It, was, it wasn't at SU. I transferred oh. to SU from, like, a community college in oh, Rochester. Got it. And it was, like, a class on the Coen Brothers in that college. And through that class, I became a fan of theirs because we watched every single one of their movies. That sounds like... There's still a few of their movies that I haven't seen yet, which is sad, but... Yeah, I, I mean, like, there's there's movies like Hudsucker Proxy where you don't really need to see it. I like that. I think that one's a little underrated. But so everybody... you're one of the people who likes it. Yeah, I think it's. Okay. I think almost everything I've seen by them is is some of them are not the best, but even their bad movies are good movies. Well, what about and Lady they get better? What about Lady Killers? I have, have not seen. seen no, I have not yet. Yeah, I mean that's probably that with Intolerable Cruelty is probably my least favorite. Yeah, one of those theirs. those I those are I have those I'm, I have those downloaded to like watch and I'm going to watch them. But like, there's some I didn't like. Like, there are certain movies there's I didn't like the first time I saw, and then I saw it again and became a fan. Like, I don't think I loved Lebowski the first time I saw it when I was younger, and then yeah. I saw it again, and it was amazing. Same with, like, No Country for Old Men. That's probably and, my favorite one of theirs. I loved it. It might be. Sometimes it's a Lebowski, sometimes a serious man, depending on the day. Yeah, I mean, it's like No Country for Old Men, Fargo, serious man. Exactly. Um, I would The characters, I think, on this show were so rich, and it's hard... To pick a favorite, I don't know but, why I'm blanking on her name, but was um, it? Are you uh, talking about Molly Tolman? Yes, Molly Solverson. Yeah, that's her Molly. Name. She was great. Yeah, she was she was amazing. She was basically like Francis McDormand, Fargo, yeah. a little a little different, but kind of similar in that <laughs> she was kind of. I mean, it was like just the one difference. I was like, she was the one smart person in this like department <laughs> where everybody. I don't know if they're necessarily dumb, but like they weren't. These are cops that they were very midwestern. Exactly, they're very midwestern cops. They're pleasant and they're not. They're there to like help people. They weren't there to solve a complex murder mystery that ties in the CIA and people from other countries and all this crazy stuff. I mean, another thing, the CIA or I think it was the FBI agents who were played by Key and Peele. Oh yeah, that was great casting. Yes, that was that was really all like that role must have been written for them. Yeah, and I mean, just everyone in that show. Like, that show doesn't really have a lot of flaws. No, it does not. I think it was a perfect first season. The casting was great. You know, Billy Bob Thornton, we can go on and on about him. He was excellent. Lauren Martin Freeman. Yeah, Billy Bob Thornton was like a classic Coen Brothers villain who seems like he could be this, like, evil, indestructible ghost. Yeah. There's, like, a lot of... There was a lot of allusions to No Country for Old Men through his character. Yeah, and then you see him in Vegas under a completely different. Um, oh my god! There's a scene. There's a scene in an elevator that takes place that's insane. You all will see when you watch it. Yeah, if you haven't, I think yeah. people will love it too if yeah. they haven't seen it yet. And I think that so at the beginning of the show, uh, Martin Freeman's character uh, Lester Nygaard mm-hmm. is very obviously supposed to be. William H. Macy's character from Fargo, like, everything, like, his very Scandinavian-sounding name. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he works... 
in ins- in Lester works in insurance. Jerry Lundergaard works a at a car car salesman. It's so like those kind of bland middling jobs. But like it's very interesting. Like Jerry's kind of the bad guy of the movie of Fargo, even though he never seems like it. But they actually. Like, you could sometimes argue that Lester was more of a villain in Fargo than Lorne Malvo was because he starts off as a mild-mannered man, and it's amazing to see by, like, the last few episodes of the series, he becomes kind of a psychopath. Yeah, he was far worse, in my opinion, because Lorne Malvo, I mean, he makes no bones about who he is. Yeah, he's very... He he has a purpose. He's very principled, and he seems to do things only because he has to, and then you start to see later on Lester realizes that he has power, and then he starts to use that power to get everything he wants and to do some really slimy shit. Yeah, I mean, you know, for those who haven't seen it, like Lester, um, let's just say the way he treats someone close to him later on in that show is very Um, fucked up. Yes, very. I know exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I know exactly what you're referring. He treats a lot of people very poorly. Yeah, but especially, you know. Yes, yes, I know. I, I know I exactly. So bad, but yeah, they'll see. Um, yeah, they'll they'll see. Um, so next season of Fargo is I'm going excited. to be yeah. It you know what it's about? Isn't it um her dad? In yeah, exactly. Who's played by the great uh, Keith Carradine. Keith, Car- Keith Carradine, a member of the always great Carradine family. Right. And it's going to be him in the seventies, and it's going to take place in North Dakota. That's going to be good. It's going to be really interesting. And so Kristen, it'll, uh, Kristen Dunst is in it, or Kirsten Kirst, Dunst is in it. Kirsten Dunst is in it, and who else got uh, Jesse, Jesse Plemons, who is yeah. on uh, Breaking Bad and Friday Night Lights. Yep. Which is a good casting choice. I'm excited to watch that. That's I don't know when it's coming out, but I'm just excited. I'm more excited for that honestly than season two of True Detective. I think I might be right. There's been so much more. There's been a lot of hype. There's so much hype and speculation around season two of True Detective. There hasn't been around Fargo just because it's not as high profile of a show. Yeah, and I mean, to be honest, I think FX, we were talking about Comedy Central being a great network. Oh, yeah. You could argue FX is network of the year. I think you might be right. They had that. They always have great comedies. Yeah. they. Ha- I mean, American Horror Story, which I don't watch, but is a phenomenon. I'm not a fan of it. I'm not a fan of American Horror I've Story. I've seen some. It's No, it's, it's it seems it's fun, but like it's just not something that I've like watched or caught up on, but it does incredibly well. Yeah, like three of my top five favorite shows of the year were on FX. That's I, pretty. I loved it. It was that's a great pretty, network this year. I mean, except for anger management, which no yeah. one watches. No, no one watches, but they gave Charlie Sheen like 100 episodes right off the bat because he's Charlie Sheen and probably had a drug problem to pay off or something. Yeah. Because that's how it works. I mean, that's that's the albatross they have to deal with now, so. Yeah. And let's talk briefly network we we kind of touched on it before network dramas. Yeah. It was not a good year for it. NBC especially. Have I you seen the, Hannibal? I've never seen no, it. No, my I'm an idiot because Hannibal I've not seen. I've never seen it. <laughs> and I've never seen it, but that's supposed to be that actually topped a lot of critics year end lists. Yeah, I saw a list so, today where it was number one. I would say Hannibal's an exception. And like from what I've heard about it is that it's like almost like doesn't feel like a drama that'll be on any network and it feels like a movie and like it's very violent and it's not what you'd expect yeah i've heard it's super graphic yeah and the guy who's the lead character who plays hannibal mads nicholson Nicholson. yeah he's a he's a fantastic actor he's great in everything so yeah he is i'd I'd love to see it yeah if you there's this there's a movie that a danish movie called the hunt and if you've never seen it you should watch it that's on my netflix queue uh you won't sleep for days after you watch it but you definitely (laughs) should 
Oh, okay. So it's like the um, I haven't seen it. That's it's not either, a horror. It's, it's like not the a Duke or something. No, it's not a horror movie. It's just yeah. very. Dis- it's just a very disturbing drama. Oh, okay. But a hundred percent worth watching. He's a great actor. But like, I don't know. All the other shows, like, there's two. There's a show on NBC. There's like Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, Ugh. the mysteries of the mysteries of Laura. How did the mysteries of Laura not get like? It got a second season. Yeah, how did it not get canceled when everything else pretty much got canceled that you would expect? I don't, I don't know. It got terrible reviews. Yeah. I don't... But so did Bad Judge, and that got canceled. Yes, Bad Judge got canceled. I don't really know... I don't know why they picked it up. That's just a mystery that's going to be left uh, at the NBC room. That's, a, that's, I think, that's another mystery yeah. for Laura, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, that was good. I can't top that. No, but yeah, there's there is some other network dramas this year that were supposed. To, I I still have not seen The Good Wife. I've been urged to see I'm, that. I'm really not interested in watching that show. I've I don't never know. Seen if, it. I don't know if I am. I just heard that. It's I, on I just CBS, heard that, so I don't trust it. <laughs> I don't trust a lot of stuff on CBS either. CBS has it has kind of gotten unfortunately a bad yeah reputation because they have shows like The Big Bang Theory and they 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 tailor to a certain audience. Yeah. Like the, uh, I guess, I don't really know how to say it. I guess just the really general audience. And then, you know, in their, adver- America. In their advertising, they use it like we're the number one network. But it's like, I mean... You're- well, because well, in the Nielsen ratings, which don't really yeah, mean that much it's, nowadays. It's like they're on every TV in America. I mean, it's kind of an unfair thing to compare. That's true, exactly. They have an unfair advantage. They're the first, when you click put on your TV, it's like the first thing yep. that comes on. Exactly. It is I can't an even think advantage. of any other network dramas, though. I mean, there's... Like Shondaland. Oh yeah, Shondaland does really. Which I haven't stepped into the territory of Shondaland yet, but neither have she, I. That's an. Imp- it's impressive, and you have to acknowledge that how oh, many of shows. You know, and they're supposed to be. I scandal. I'm. I feel like if I watch it, I will get addicted. So I haven't gotten into it yet. But that was one of the bigger shows this year. I saw one episode of Scandal one time, and I think it was in um in that TV class at Syracuse, and uh, I don't I don't really like the whole fluff. Uh, like, you've seen an episode, right? I've never seen it before. They have this thing where, like, for their transitions from, like, scene to scene, they do, like, camera flashes. Oh, weird. And it, it just gets so aggravating after a while. But I did see the pilot for How Not to Get for Away the with Epileptic. Murder. And was that good? I thought the pilot was decent. I didn't think it would be that great of a show, but I, w- I did enjoy it, and I do want to catch up on it. But I can't think of any other network dramas. Like, I mean, no. does Gotham count? That's a network drama. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> I mean, I I like Batman. I was interested, but it's just the origin story of like Jim Gordon and the Penguin and all that shit, and I just wasn't interested in it. It was so bland and dry. I keep I keep saying this, but I think we're gonna we're gonna reach origin story slash fatigue soon. That's another thing I liked about Fargo is that it wasn't an origin story. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be like an origin story, and that's why I like face palmed, but it wasn't. <laughs> right. Because we don't need... There's an amazing old Pat Oswalt stand-up bit where he talks about the Star Wars prequels and he's saying, I don't want to know where the shit I love from comes from. I just want to love the shit I love. <laughs> I mean, that's and, true. That's that's why this new Star Wars looks pretty interesting. But I yes. know you've talked about that before. Yeah, yeah. That's for, that's, that's, that's for movie land. Yeah, that's for movie yeah. land. Um, but, um, yeah, I can't think of any other network dramas really that were... That really interested yeah. me. Now, did you watch uh, get to watch any older shows this year, or like start watching anything I, that? Yeah, like um, last. Uh, not to keep bringing it back to the TV class, but I took <laughs> it last fall, and I got interested in Mad Men. Like, I saw Mad Men's first season when it first came out, 
so I was 15, and I didn't really get it, naturally. It a, yeah, it's a tough show for... I watched it in high school. It's a tough show for high school. Yeah, so I watched it... I started watching it again on Netflix um, in January, and I watched, like, the first... All six seasons in about six weeks. That's... That's amazing. I don't know. Yeah. And did I, you not? Did you not have school, or were you just? Really oh no, it was, good during, at... it was during. Um, I started during winter break, and then I just binged on weekends after. Got it. Oh, winter break is the best. I'll miss that about winter break. Is that it's the best time to binge watch TV shows? I mean, that's what I'm trying to do this winter too. Like, I've never seen Sons of Anarchy, but I do want to watch that. Yeah, that's something I should watch at some point. Actually, my number one show, and I know like your head's going to explode, but I've actually only seen the first four episodes of Game of Thrones. I've never seen Oof. anything after it. I, that's just, I felt like that was, I'm happy I watched it because I felt like if you didn't watch it while it was on TV, you like, couldn't have a conversation with anybody. No, everyone was talking about the Red Wedding last year, and it's like, I don't know what you guys are talking about, <laughs> so <laughs> I'll have to watch it. Why did they like the color red so much? Yeah, really. Like, yeah, there must be a lot of weddings on that show. But, <laughs> Every yeah, no. wedding on that show does not turn out well. That's all I've, I'll say. I've heard it gets uh, really graphic, which is cool. I'm cool yeah, with that. I'll watch it's, it. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's an interesting take on the fantasy genre in general just because they subvert a lot of tropes. It's one of those shows where it's like just because somebody's the hero doesn't mean they're safe. Yeah. I just remember the first season being really incesty, and that was kind of... It it doesn't kind stop of, from there. Yeah, kind of off putting, but it's whatever. I guess it's part of the story. But no, like yeah. I watched the first six seasons of Mad Men, and that show really is just like the pinnacle in terms of like how to write a great series on TV. Yeah, it really is. I was last year's season of Mad Men. I was kind of disappointed by, it, and then this was the first half. Unfortunately, they split the season into two halves, so we had to wait till yeah till next April. year. Yeah, to see the second half. I thought the first half was really good. They had a great. It was, it was really good. and they, I keep forgetting about it because it was earlier this year. There was a lot of different... There's a lot of good shows this year. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, um, like... But this, I'm trying to think of... I think it was called The Strategy, the episode of Mad Men from this season, where um, it ends with Don and Peggy and Pete in uh, the restaurant. Yes, that was that, a great... That's one of the best moments that, that I've ever seen on TV. It was just so well done. Mad Men is good at those little moments. Um, there was th this season ends in a musical number. Um, yeah, what did you think of that? That was actually I just really liked that. It's a spice. It was just like something you don't normally see on Mad Men. It was just very interesting. It was in Draper's head, obviously, but yeah. I mean that's what like most of the stuff we're seeing is in Don Draper's head. Um, it was kind of like a, it's a sad moment. You see him tear up. He just hears the line, the best things in life are free. Yeah. And it, it kind of makes you really realize good. what the next season might be about. Like, I don't, like, Although I we really have no idea. Yeah, it could be. What it's going to be about. Yeah. Could be the death of Don Draper. Could be him leaving advertising forever. This was him. This whole season was about him trying to, like, get his freedom and his manhood back after basically he lost everything and was allowed to get back to he was allowed back on his job but under really tight supervision so i think that was kind of like this is like what's gonna be building to is don draper finding out who don draper slash dick whitman really is <laughs> which is super vague but if you watch Mad Men, you're used to that kind of weird vagueness especially if you see the scenes from next week those are See, if I ever make a TV show, I want to like emulate how they do. Yeah, the scenes Matthew Weiner didn't. Matthew Weiner didn't want to have scenes from next week, but the network made them, so he just made them as vague as possible. Yeah, and it's it's awesome. 
it's the best thing to look forward yeah, to. Exactly. And yeah, I mean, that's basically what, that's kind of how it is with this season with Don, and it seems like everyone really just hated him. It was yeah, weird to see, yeah. because the first six seasons, he's a god. It's like, part, yeah, it's partly like he deserved it, but he's also the lead character, so you want to see him. Yeah, and I mean, over the years, like, you kind of feel, like, over the seasons, I should say, you kind of feel empathy for Don, and you kind, kind of, like, relate there was to some, him. Well, there was, like, some parts where you, like, get angry because he does such terrible things, but this season, I kind of, like, when somebody that powerful is not in a position of power, you can start to feel bad. Yeah, I felt bad for him, especially, like, you know, um, what happens with him and Megan. Yes. That was really sad. Yes, cross-country relationship, it seems, never work. Yeah, I, I guess they don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I happened to watch this year for the first time ever. It's taken me a few years, but I finally finished The Sopranos, mm-hmm. which I spent most of my summer doing. It's good to bring that up now, because it was created by... Or Matthew Weiner, who created Mad Men, was a writer on The Sopranos, and yeah. that's where he got his start. And The Sopranos is one of those shows that, like, everything we've talked about, every drama we've talked about today, be it from Mad Men to True Detective to Fargo, would not exist if Tony Soprano had not been born. Yeah, and that was the precursor, pretty much. Yeah, when you think of cultural icons like that, like, the thing is, like, sometimes what they influence can end up being better than the original product, but The Sopranos is still... It still holds Brilliant. up. It still holds up. There's some, like, there's little, like, things about it that are dated, but don't make, don't detract from the show. Like, it's still a great drama. It's, the characters are great. It's really funny. Like, Tony Soprano, it's just still so interesting to see this guy who does horrible things and is a killer and runs <laughs> the mafia, and then he goes home to his family and how it's, like, half about his war, like, on the battlefield of being in the mafia and then his war at home. It's like Walter White. Exactly, but I don't, like, I even think, honestly, Tony Soprano is more sympathetic than Walter White. Really? I I think Tony Soprano, I don't, there's something about it because, I don't know, maybe just because in the end, Tony Soprano still had his family Mm -hmm. and was still looking out for his family's best interests, and Walter White said he was all the time, and I still felt like he was not. That's a good point. I mean, like, I, um, I've i seen a good deal of The Sopranos. I've never seen all of it. I have mm-hmm. seen the last four seasons. But I don't... Yeah, it's it's really weird. I've, I've seen, like, the first season and then seasons four through seven. I, for some reason, two and three just never happened for me. I but, got... I, I had seen the, like, I had seen the last season before I saw any other season, which is weird. And then I went oh, yeah. back and watched it all. That was, like, with me and The Wire. Which I've seen all the episodes of The Wire now. But I'll get, I keep telling people I'll get to that. It's on my list. Oh, I mean, like, they're re-airing it on HBO. Um, oh, yeah, I heard. I have HBO Go. I will watch it. It's just I know it's going to be such a commitment. Probably my uh, second favorite show of all time. But uh, The Soprano, I mean, I guess Tony Soprano in some ways is more, um, I guess, likable than Walter White. There's a lot of things to hate about Walter White. They're both, they're both, um... They're both very despicable people. Right. Um, it's hard to say one like one person's crimes are worse than the other, but I just will say that I found Tony Soprano like I don't he was like very, he seemed like a real person, or he seemed a lot more like people that I know or have met, and mm-hmm. like some of the things he does, and that's 
what made him sympathetic. And it's not to take away from Walter White because that's he's an amazing – he's one of the best creations of all time. Yeah. That's just inter- – it's a whole interesting com- comparing point. But also, yeah, Walter White would not have existed without Tony Soprano. No, The Sopranos was really um... – and and everyone always says it when like you talk about the history of TV, but mm-hmm. that show really did birth the golden age of television and all these characters that we yeah. know, like all the antiheroes, I should say. Like there's yes. no, I mean for better, like there's no, um, you know, for better, like Walter White or Don Draper, or for worse, uh, Dexter Morgan, uh, <laughs> with, without uh, without Tony Soprano. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. It's worth to go back and watch because it puts everything into context. It's also a great show, but it'll help put everything into perspective, like everything that's on TV right now. It's also like if you're interested in mafia, in the mafia stuff and watching Italians eat lots of delicious looking food and stuff <laughs> like that. The food's one of the best parts of that show. Oh, yeah, it definitely is. I think it's also the pacing of the show is very different. Every episode's an hour. Like, it feels more like it's paced like a movie than a TV show because it didn't have... Now there's, like, shows like Breaking Bad, which have, like, a much more rapid-fire pace. I don't know. Like, it's paced like True Detective. It's very... Surprise episodes, the older ones, are very slow, but... They are. It changes a lot as the show comes into the modern age. It's really fun to watch a show like that because, like, you see... His kids at the beginning, they're children, and then by the end, they're adults. Like, you see everybody, it's amazing. It's like, think of, like, the movie Sopranos. It's like watching the movie Boyhood, yeah, in a way, because it's true. like, you're watching all these people come of age in real time. Yeah. And, and I mean, see- uh, did you uh, did you like that movie? I'm a huge fan of I love Boyhood. That was, like, one of my favorites of the year. I thought it was all right. I'm a huge Linklater guy, but I thought it was, um, I thought it was all right. It was yeah, just one of those. It is mo- kind of like yeah. it is kind of like that to watch like AJ and um and Meadow I, grow up. Yeah, Meadow. I forgot yeah. the name for a sec, but yeah. And then like yeah, the show kind of changes. Like there was like the first half of the show was pre nine eleven, and then post nine eleven, it takes on a kind of different tone, like different fears and paranoia. Like it's just they had this iconic shot in the opening credits they had of Tony oh, the looking Twin Towers. At, yeah, the Twin Towers, yeah. and they took it. They had to take it out. Yeah, when he's on um, on the turnpike. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a it's it, this served the whole show is a great period piece. It is. Um, and if you haven't seen it, like I I mean it's believable that somebody wouldn't have seen it because I didn't see it until this year in full. Um, you should definitely go check it out. Oh, what the Sopranos? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I still have yeah. to watch the second and third yeah. seasons. I'm just I'm I'm really yeah. I'm happy I spent a lot of my TV watching. I think this year I watched more and different TV. I don't know if I watched more TV. I watched more shows than ever before, and I'm really happy that I had The Sopranos as part of that. Yeah. Like, I watched enough shows this year that I was able to make a top ten list and still have stuff left over, which is rare. Yeah, same here. I think last year I barely had a top ten list because I didn't watch that much. Yeah. But, yeah, I had, like, maybe five or six that I had to leave off this year. Yes. Um... I mean, I think that. All right, I think right now, I think that about does. Is there any other shows before we, uh, before we take off that you want to give a shout out to or anything else? Uh, you know, like I was saying with FX, you know, The Americans the second season was great. I've heard. I haven't watched that yet. I feel ashamed. I haven't watched that. You know, I was a little hesitant to watch it because like shows like that kind of like give off that weird twenty four feeling. But then I watch it and it's not like that. It was yeah. really great. Uh, Justified. Which I thought was the best show of the last two years. This year, obviously not the best, but still a great season. 
I would love to watch it. It's yeah, definitely go watch that. I would say go watch that more than the Americans, just because it's just better and more versatile. Okay. But uh, I think that's pretty much it in terms of uh, TV. Yeah. Um. What about you? I think that's about. I think I think that about does it. I'm just trying to think for a second. I've I've watched Bojack Horseman several times. Talked about. Oh, that. I mean John I've been Oliver. Watching, oh yeah, John Oliver. I've I've talked about him extensively. Yeah. And, and he had the best new late night show on TV and right. how much he branched out from John Stewart this year. And it's kind of he was able to keep all of our attention spans focused with long form pieces and going on for like 20 minutes about net neutrality and making it fun and interesting. He made the debate between like whether Scotland should be independent or not interesting. And yes, that's, that w- that's that's an accomplishment in itself. <laughs> so that's he pretty made good. Net, he made I've learned about net neutrality in multiple different classes and never understood it and because <laughs> Until of John, John Oliver. Oliver. Exactly. Nice. That's a, it's it's like I said earlier, it's amazing what you can do with comedy. Yeah, of course. Um honestly, like that's John Oliver's like I think he might he could be like the per, he's like the person of the year. He changed things. Unfortunately, the show's on hiatus for a few months. Yeah. But we can't wait for it to come back. Is it only a few months? I thought it was longer. It's in February. Oh, that's that's great then. I don't think I think it was just it, they had the hiatus because I don't think HBO knew when they picked it up that they were going to have something really extraordinary on their hands. Right. But now they do. Yeah. Um all right, I think that's going to wrap it up for today. Uh this was a really good talk. Uh yeah, man, it was awesome. I mean, there's there was some. We, this was a really great year for TV, and there was a lot to talk about. Um, it's like really great TV. It's making me as excited to talk about TV as it does about film. Um, it's. I think all- it's the place to be right now. Honestly, I mean, there's just so much you can do, really. And yeah, you know, guys like Soderbergh have pretty much proven, like you know, mm-hmm. if you if you can't find a way to like you know talk about something you want to talk about in film, you could go to TV and pretty much any network like Cinemax. I don't think anyone expected Cinemax to land a TV show, let exactly. alone one as good as the Nick. Exactly. Everybody's everybody's going to have their own TV show in the future. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of shows next year that... I don't... What are you excited for next? I'm not even... I forget about what's coming out next, what new shows are coming out next year. I think I'm more sad than excited because Justified and Mad Men are ending next year. Yeah, you know, that's a bummer. And, Parks, and Parks and Rec and is Parks ending. And Parks and Rec, yeah. My favorite um, comedy on TV is, is ending, so... And uh, it'll be interesting to see what Fargo and True Detective do. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really psyched for that. I think I have more faith in what Fargo is going to do. I mean, no disrespect to Colin Farrell and Vince Vaughn. But I think I'm more excited <laughs> to see what Fargo is doing. What I think, a strange, I think what Vince Vaughn will actually be pretty good in it. I, I, I'm actually a huge fan of Colin Farrell, so I have faith. Yeah, I mean, Vince Vaughn's done some... They've both done serious stuff before. So a, it won't be terrible. I think Nick um, Pizzolato, however you say his last name, the writer of... Nick Pizzolotto Pizzolo- and Pizzolotto. Terry Fakonga. And, uh, yeah, he... Uh, I think he'll do good. I think Justin Lin is directing all the episodes next year. Yeah, and he's a he's an accomplished director. Yeah, so I mean, I I have faith that it'll be good. I don't think it'll be as good as the first season, but we'll, we'll just have to wait and see on that. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. It's a new story, new setting, new everything. Yeah. Um, just something like at the end. So, is there any place where people can find you on the internet or reach you? You said you had like yes. a Tumblr earlier, Tumblr, uh, Twitter. Yeah, I just haven't updated that in a while. I can uh, people can follow me on Twitter. You know, it's a uh, my Twitter username is uh, John. J-O-N underscore Carnegie. 
And I'm always like tweeting my opinions on movies and TV and stuff like that there. So anything I write, you can find pretty much there. For a second, I thought you were going to say your Twitter handle is just at John, and I was like, how famous are you actually that you were <laughs> able to get that handle? You know how, like, I don't know who did that first, but I'm kind of mad because I want that handle. At John, that'd be great. Probably be, little, little John probably has it. It's so minimal. It is, but know? mine is, you can follow me on Twitter at Ian Real Deal. There yes. is no just that Ian available, so follow me at Ian Real Deal. <laughs> um, you can find all my other writing at the website, realdealblog.com, R-E-E-L, dealblog.com. There's old episodes there. Uh, you'll be able to download this episode and all the old ones we have um, on iTunes, so subscribe to us there. Uh, take a break from listening to Serial and listen to us. Does anyone really listen to Serial? Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, like, I know it's popular, but I tried, and I'm like... I. I can't. Really? I can't. I don't know. It's a podcast. I think it's like like, a TV show. I think that's what's so interesting about it. I think it's it's like a true detective of podcasts, and everyone's been swept up by this mystery. I think that's why it's gotten over 5 million downloads, which doesn't sound like a lot when it comes to TV and film, but for podcasts, that's gigantic. Oh, yeah, no. It's the future right there. I don't know. Maybe I'll have to, um, because I do see, like, the episodes kind of differ in length. Maybe I'll just give it another shot. Yeah, give it another shot. Yeah. You, you want so you get to be part of the conversation. Yeah, I don't want to miss out like I did on Game of Thrones. So exactly. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And John, there's a thing I like to do at the end where I tell everybody to keep it real. Right. So will you? Will you? I'm gonna count down. Will you say that with me at the same time? No matter how ridiculous that is. No, it sounds perfectly fine. Not all ridiculous right. at all. <laughs> and all right, we're gonna say three, two, one. Keep, keep it, it real. Keep it real. Keep it real. All right, keep it real. Thank you.